0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hurst from Faster Skier. Another glorious day in Canmore Down, another awesome set of races here. Devin and I are back with a quick breakdown, which I literally recorded outside in the mixed zone, at least for the beginning, so that Devin could get his beauty sleep. I'm also headed down to one of the race hotels to interview Swedish star William Poroma right after this recording. So stay tuned for another bonus episode with him. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Sovereign to Silver Star Ski Marathon, also known as S2S. This race in British Columbia sounds absolutely lit, and I really wish I could go. Having been to Silver Star one time, it is still stuck in my memory as a cross-country skiing paradise. The marathon is the weekend of April 6th, They actually have two days of racing, one in Classic, one in Skate. There's real cold hard cash money dollars on the line, $6,000 in total. You can ski and stay at Silver Star. There's reliable late snow there, and they've got a sweet sounding silent auction for charity with flight packages, a stay at the Yukon Ski Lodge, Fisher Skis, and other stuff too go check out this event it sounds awesome more information at sovereign to silverstar.com that's two as in the letter two sovereign to silverstar.com or you can email info at sovereign to silverstar.com
1: look at this this is this is straight out of the old school nat this is what i love we're going to get some hate mail for our audio which is which i love i love this you know what if you want podcasts
0: every day you got to put up with me
1: Recording the podcast from the mixed zone. Exactly. I love it. I love this. Look at look at the view, eh? God camor. <laughs> Put on yeah, another great
0: show today. It's been another good day for sure. So
1: yeah, I think we should let's get this
0: going. And and I just may break away because I do want to ask uh Christine Stavos she saw about like her relentless uh you know shit shit disturbing of the Swedes, which like I want more of that. I I just Me too. I love- we all do. We all so, do.
1: You you start. Okay, well, I'll start. i let's just let's just go like gender by gender, and we'll just do the the women's sprint. Like first of all, I mean, I've raced this course so many times, and it's this is a redesign the sprint course that has been raced a lot in a lot of different um, iterations on the World Cup and Norams that sort of thing. And quite frankly, like uh, it's probably good TV, but kind of hate it. Like it's just like that big downhill like sweeping right-hander and then into the big downhill ah it's just so stressful watching it and it's stressful to race it I've done that many times too and and um yeah I was really interesting to see that we saw that both for the men and the women but just going through the women's sprint like really really quickly I, I think like things that jumped out to me is Diggins strategy here of just like smashing her quarterfinal and her semifinal. I mean, we've talked about how experienced Jesse is now. And the big goal is that, is that yellow bib. It just, it's, it just points on the board. And when it became a real cat and mouse game in that final, I thought like, Oh my God, I think Jesse could do it. But the fact of the matter is you've, I think it's kind of fun today that you saw that like Jesse's kind of like mastery, which is, cornering aerodynamics descending in distance races just doesn't hold up against a she stud, a swan, and the rest. Do you know what I mean? And you saw that in the final, uh, she was in good position. It was, the pace was going nice and slow, but the fact of the matter is like, she just doesn't have that punch that these, these top women do. And, uh, a lot of really interesting stuff. I don't know what else, the other thing to me, like no Sundling in the final, like this is, a, this is staggering stuff. And I'm sure you have other, um, other things. What did, what did you think of the women's race? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: like you talked to Jesse and she would say all the things that you said exactly. Like basically she was like, you know, "I, I smashed these first two heats to get the world cup points. And then like, you know, she's not all fast twitch muscle fiber is basically what she said when she came through the mix zone. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh other than that i mean honestly like it felt pretty conventional like not super unexpected it was like you know interesting to see she stopped back like beating the swedes after the swedes seemed to have her number a little bit and i you know i I just loved her um you know it seemed like she definitely was like gesturing with this blowing the kiss kind of in the direction of the swedes and uh so like i just uh, we i talked a little bit about it with uh johanna hogstrom after the race and you know she was like she's like it is good for us like it gives us some fire she's like i would not do that it's not necessarily like we want to be good role models and uh you know being kind of mean is not like maybe the best example to set for the kids but i think i think you know especially in women's racing like you know we see this kind of uh grouchiness from uh what's uh from Ivo Niskanen uh like a few weeks ago but I feel like the women's racing is usually like pretty polite and supportive and there is like a place in sport for um y- you know the feuding and the rivalry and it really it seems like that's there now she's trying to escape so I think I'm gonna chase uh oh no they're sending her back through here so um Yep. And I think she just ignored the, (laughs) yeah. So they were trying, the the organizers were trying to send her back through and she just blew them off and and walked away. So hold on. You, uh, yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get her in the classic sprint then. Yeah. Well, I think I'm just going to go chase her down. Can I come back in a couple minutes? Yeah. Call me back in a couple minutes. This episode of the Devin Kershaw show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic sport. Boulder Nordic Sport is a shop that can get you your top-notch cross-country ski equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-picked skis. You can be looking for your first set of new gear, trying to finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the 2024 Olympics. Boulder Nordic Sport's staff will help you find just the right gear to meet your needs bouldernordic.com has one of the biggest selections of ski stuff in the country. They also have a really fun annual magazine that you can download there digitally. You can also sign up for one of their professional race wax services for world masters and other big events. And they've got extensive waxing how-tos on the BNS YouTube channel. That's all at bouldernordic.com.
1: Sorry about that. No worries. You're just doing your job. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah,
0: so I don't know. I mean, women's race, like, uh, it was nice to see Lauren Jorpeberg, who actually was in a car accident, like pretty significant car accident a couple weeks ago, uh, after races in Craftsbury, Vermont, and and totaled her car was really, I think, not having a great season. And she was kind of like, yeah, in a way, it actually may have been a good thing Shook up my season a little bit. And she had a really solid result today to uh i think we saw julia kern into the semis so you know decent decent day for for the americans on the
1: women's side canada Ooh, raunchy day for the canadians again like we weren't even close to qualifying katie weaver was the closest but she was a few seconds from the top 30 so you're not really in the game but um to stick with the with the, the women and like share some focus on the Americans. Like I, I thought the new names were really, really fun to see. And I thought they were like, they, they skied really, really well. Like you said, like Lauren skied super well. And and so did, um, and, and like everyone except Rosie, really. I mean, like Aaron Bianco, I thought skied solid too. I mean, yeah, she was 29th in the end, but you saw how tight this, the racing was in there. I mean, it was really, really, really tight, hard to, hard to find real estate. And especially if you don't have a whole lot of experience. I mean, this these are the things that are gonna kind of happen. but i I will say Rosie's season, like we talked about yesterday on the pod, like the 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 air's kind of getting letting out of the balloon a bit here, which is kind of hard to see at uh, in one sense, but at the same time, I think we also have to remember how just wonderful a season it's been and how wonderful a run it's been, and the fact that like she's making these sprint heats. Is still impressive. Like I mean, it's not like her qualifier was a disaster, but she skied a poor tactical heat and just never was able to to convert in that that long finishing stretch. And then same with Julia. I mean, Julia Kern looked like a million bucks. I thought in her quarterfinal, and I I was expecting her to hang way closer, and she missed that slipstream down the hill in her semi, uh, and was you know. Y- even though you get a humongous draft in this course, you still have to be within striking range of of the athlete in front of you. And Julia just had too much ground to make up and was a very, very distant sixth in her semi, but at the same time, you're making the semi. So I I agree with what you're saying. Like the Americans are are continuing to have solid results, but we've seen better. Let's be honest. We've seen better from, from Rosie and and Julia, but Diggins, like we already covered I mean, the tactical decision she made, uh, got her a boatload of points and and i really thought she would i oh. yeah but she is 32 and she's so good in distance skiing now and this is just kind of what happens to, to, if, if you uh kind of put your your focus more on the distance side of things when you're up against like a hogstrom lindsvon dahlqvist Shista. like she's still fifth here she tira wang what a comeback for her too hey eh? like tira lunisvang into the final it's been such a rough season she qualified fourth and look great all day, and then in the final, again, like in a messy sprint finish like that, like she, you know, stumbles a little bit, and then and then ends up sixth. But uh, Lindswan can't be stopped, and it's fun to see Dahlquist too, right? Like it's fun to see Dahlquist back on the podium, back to back here in sprints after a, after a struggle. Of like out of the of the final, it's like shock, shocking, totally shocking. And I don't know if you have any intel on like M. Ribom but Ribom didn't even come to the start. So what happened there for the listeners that, that aren't on site that, that follow the Swedish armada? No,
0: no, this has been in the Swedish uh, news. I guess uh, Emma Ribom had a, like a crash right when she got here. And I guess she had like, she (coughs) cut, excuse me. I'm just joking. She, she cut her knee, I guess. And it was like somewhat deep. And I guess the, the team, Mm -hmm. um, said they, they they didn't think it was safe for her to start i think all th- three of these first three races and i think she's hoping to get a start on maybe it's hoping to get a start on tuesday but maybe not till minneapolis which is like man that sucks because you come all the way over here and for something like that to happen but uh yeah so no Everebum today tomorrow yesterday maybe tuesday hopefully in minneapolis so yeah should we move on to the men we you got to go to bed dude I, this schedule i will say i mean i think it's worth folks understanding like i don't know why you know it seems like everything in in skiing is driven by the european tv schedule but man they they pushed this pretty late like things weren't finishing up till i mean it is saturday night but 10 10 30 or so uh european time
1: yeah exactly 10 45 it was this whole thing was over and like when you have kids that wake up at 5 30 tomorrow is also uh, Mother's Day here in, in Europe or in Norway. So the kids, you know, like have wrote cards and presents and stuff. So you can guarantee they're going to be up in the fives tomorrow. So I am looking forward to going to bed, but I, I really, there's a, there's a bit I want to cover with the, with the men's race here. And I'm going to start again. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like the yin and the yang. I think the American men smashed the prologue, putting six dudes in the heats which was amazing. And some new names with some real like what up prologues and skiing pretty tough in their heats too. Like guys were skiing pretty decent from the American side of things. And then again, on the Canadian side of things, like we're not getting better from yesterday. I mean, we did get Pierre in into the heats and I'm going to start with that. And I'm sorry, Pierre, but like, Oh my God, Pierre girl Johnson, which was great. Qualified 19th, put together a, a, a like the only the only highlight of Canada's world cup so far at home to make, to get a chance to raise the heats. And then he made the absolute worst tactical decision you can make in his quarterfinal on home snow. If you're going to go down the hill first, you either have to just like do like Claybo did in the final and crawl almost all the way down and then launch when there's not as big a draft, you know, or, you have to like kind of try, almost like a ribley. You have to just like or or diggits, where you just go from the first meter and you're like, I'm I'm gonna take everything out of myself, and that's my strategy. But the half-hearted attempt by by uh, Pierre was like, dude, you're in Canada. You've raced this course so many times. You can't make mistakes like that. And the fact that he's 30th is is like, kind of a fiasco. Like he, there's no reason why he would have ended up sixth. In a, in a quarterfinal with the speed that he was showing. And uh, I hope he looks at the tape because that was that was disappointing to see.
0: I mean, I think you're being, not really knowing this dude, I, I guess he's been in the heats on the World Cup before. So, you know, you got to think that there's some experience being brought to the table here. But like, I, I mean, how old is this guy? Like he's, you know, this is the name I don't know. This is not a guy. I mean, you got to be able to make, you know, I think, I think had this guy done this, On a day when the Canadians put four in the heats, like it's a very different story. And the fact that like the entire, you know, Graham Ritchie's out here like on a sit ski this morning, and like you know, Tony's like hello, like where is Tony Sear? Where is like Olivier? You know where Tony Sear
1: is? No, no, whoa, whoa, I'm gonna come in on that. You know where Tony Sear is? He's getting ready for tomorrow's 20k, and I'm psyched to watch it. But here's (laughs) here's, here and we're gonna get off this because yeah, okay, maybe I'm throwing some shade at Pierre, but like the thing is, is he's raced this event so many times in cammore he's raced this course so many times and he has a great day with a prologue to qualify at 19. and you have to convert man like you don't get a lot of chances if you're a here and he's had some tough goes with injury sicknesses it's been it's been tough he's only 25 you're right like he has a long career ahead of him but man he's gotta he's gotta convert better but moving on to some other things in in the uh in the in the men's i mean these semifinals, these semifinals and finals were just outrageous. Like it was some edge of your seat stuff. And I want to hear your take on like Ribley because Ribley semifinal got him into the final. And when they were walking around out there in the final, I thought like Ribley has a chance to do it, but he was cooked. Like he was just shattered (laughs) from that semifinal, but all the power to him, man. Like I, I think after seeing that first semifinal go so slow that he's just like, I'm getting my ass to the final. And it was kind of tough to see him in sixth in that final. Cause I mean, I would have loved to see him get paid for that move, but can you just talk a little bit about the different strategies you saw in the two semis?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, so, and I will say it's a little hard here Um uh, because you know, you're as a reporter, like you're in the mix zone trying to like both talk to people and watch the race and there's no TV. So people are just like disappearing up the trail, but you know, I did see this move by Rebley where, you know, he, he did the Jesse Diggins move in his semi where he just said, okay, I can be a lucky loser, you know, if I can be in the top four. And he just like goes from the gun completely in contrast to these tactical other heats where like everyone is just dinking around, wait, waiting to get to the top of that last hill and then not trying not to be the first person over it. And, you know, I think I was standing with Ben Ogden when that happened and, you know, we were kind of talking, no, I think I was standing with a uh, Yostin from, uh, from Akrodaly. And uh, we've actually been, I've actually been talking sort of for a story a lot with people about like, you know, how do you solve this problem? I mean, yeah, one, one, I think good question is like the, the men's field is so competitive. Then it's like, you have this X factor of like Johannes Kleibo, who basically is unbeatable. And, and I, I think like the fact that you see guys, I think Ben Ogden really kind of, set the tone on this last season in Val Valdefiame where he just like goes nuclear off the start because he knows what he needs to do and he knows what he can't do to get in to the next round and I, I just I like that guys are making their own races like acting rather than being acted upon and like even if it doesn't work you know it's a reasonable strategy to basically say I'm going to take it out hard and and my chances are good if I'm skiing off the front. then maybe I don't win, but I'm in the top four. So I I thought it was like a cool and gutsy move from Rebley. and like maybe that didn't work that well for him uh, in the final, but maybe it does in another final in another year. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think about what else. I, I I do feel like the men's field right now. It just it is so competitive. It's like you have semifinals with. 12 guys that all have been on the podium. And it just, it's like the the edges between these guys are so small. And and it's it's luck, but it also isn't luck because the guys that are better consistently advance. And I, I just I agree with you, like edge-seat riveting racing, like stuff is just so so close and and fun to watch in men's sprint right now.
1: For sure it is, and I think some other things like some other highlights I wanna just bring up it like Benny Ogden, like you got to love the kid, like has a rough go out there yesterday, brings it back. Not
0: just, a, not just a rough go, but like an existentially
1: miserable. Brandy hey, story.
0: look, you want to, uh, any, anything for the podcast? That's right. <laughs>
1: no. Thank you, honest. <laughs> uh, there we go. But, um, exactly. But uh, I think, I think uh, Ben Ogden like really brought it back today. He was having a lot of fun, smiling out there, skiing really well too, actually. Uh, I know I like to like, it's kind of like an inside joke with, with the the technique stuff, but like, you know, he was skiing well, he was moving fast and it was uh, fun to see him. Would have been cool to see him in the final, but seventh place is great. I think the big story for me, I mean, really I wanted to, we, we covered that already, but I guess the other thing is like, Shanava getting relegated to last in his semi for that, like the collision-ish with Hogstrom, that is straight up bullshit. And I'm sorry, like I disagree with the jury decision on that watch the tape again. It's so tight. We talked about this. Like if you're going to have a course where, you know, people are going to be fighting for position and you know that like, especially the men that race very, very tactically, that they're going to be stopping at the top space is limited. I didn't see anything in that. It was a race incident as far as I'm concerned. And I felt really bad for Shanava because the guy should have been in the final. And uh, you know, it would have been fun to see how that would have played out with Shanova and and uh, and Johannes in the final. But I I feel bad for for the French comet because that was that was a that was a poor decision by the jury as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Hogstrom, yeah, it sucks you fall, but like, go back and watch. You saw like you saw people trying to close the door. You saw like Frida Carlson and she a little bit coming together, and you saw a, come some others like you you saw in the final actually like. I don't know if you noticed that, but like Edvin onget and, and Nortug like kind of came in together and Nortug almost biffed it. You know, he lost his momentum too. And it's just a matter of what this course is, especially for the men when you have such a fast course with the last 800 meters of this thing, half of which is a downhill where you're going over 50 kilometers an hour. I don't know, man. I think, I, I thought it was a poor decision. I thought it was hard to see.
0: We, uh, i I I mi- I completely that's like example A I completely missed that. One thing that I did not miss is uh Ilya Barp of Italy uh, so you know Italy not exactly like the deepest team right now and they're they're sort of I mean it is actually a bummer you know to see the two guys that we know are the closest uh in ability to be able to challenge Claybo in a sprint final Pellegrino crashes, Shanovac relegated. Um, But for Italy to see, you know, they've got some depth here in this young guy, Barb, who's also been strong in distance, uh, makes it all the way through into the finals and and places fifth. Um, I I don't think he's much older than like 21, 22 has been having like a stupendous season. And to see him in there, I I was really psyched about, about that. Um, I, you know, it just like, it seems like, uh, I mean, interesting to see Claybo so far off yesterday but i think you know he's not like he's just had ups and downs this season and it still feels like now that he is back on after illness like no one can figure this out how to beat him um and it's just i mean these guys are they're close ish but i don't know know. especially
1: Uh, today especially today like i thought today like when he you know, it was just a cat and mouse game. They were walking, even they started around the corner, like Edvin Enger and Claybo are kind of together around that corner under the bridge, still going slow. Everyone's standing up. And then Claybo is the one that opens the account. I'm like, if there's ever a time to be Claybo, it's now. But it was a, tastic, it was a tactical masterwork because they weren't going fast enough. So that draft that you get when you're going 50k an hour isn't there when you're only going 30k an hour. Um, So it was just enough, but I thought it was a great opportunity. But like, yeah, Bartman, I have so much that like the Italians have a lot to cheer for in this young talent. I mean, the kid was top 10 in the distance race in Gomes. Then he was top 10 yesterday. And then he makes his first ever sprint final. And anyone that's not as dorky as like Alex Harvey or me might not know this, but like the guy was second in the sprint in world juniors in Lingna only two seasons ago. And also fourth in the 10k classic in Lingna. And I probably just know that because the world juniors were here in Norway and pretty close to me, but the guy is a big talent for, for Italy and it's fun to have someone coming up. And like you said, this is a bit of fact checking, like uh, Pellegrino actually didn't fall. He actually didn't like hit the deck, but he hit the ice and then just got spot out right out of the course, like into the rhubarb. Um, so somehow in a miracle he stayed on his feet but he was like way off course and that course his race was ruined which was tough because it was a, a great sprint course for him you know he's won here actually in classic um before and also he qualifies seventh and he's had a kind of up and down and, and we're in the swan song of Pellegrino's career so it would have been fun to see him mixing it up and um but either way I thought it was an exciting sprint and I agree people are struggling to take uh take down Playbo but I mean he's he's the best skier in the world and when he I it just, I'm so impressed with his, with his tactics. I like he, he seems to be able to solve these very, very tricky races like today was well, a tricky tactical race. And I never would have bet money. I would have bet money that he won, but I would never would have bet money that he won the way he won. So I think he's still full of surprises. And that's what does make it exciting, even though he is winning a lot of these things.
0: So my, my last thing is that we do you you alluded to it before, but we we got to tip the cap to uh, Jack Young, who is a college student at, at Colby College in Maine. And, I, you know, I'm not one to normally do this, but I, I went to Bowdoin College. You can see my hat and like Bowdoin is not really good at sports, but they have a decent hockey team and are one rival is the Colby Mules uh and we do say that mules are sterile um and when i mentioned this specific thing to Jack earlier today he he also mentioned but the and the mascot is the polar bear so he he said the glaciers are melting which i was i had to give him that that's true uh but yeah this guy first world cup star qualifies 11th like ahead of you know world champion Harold osberg and then I, my favorite thing was he was in heat 5 they like he was the fastest guy in his heat, ahead of like Amundsen. I think Shapaz, like some other really big names, and like they're they're calling guys up to to go stand in the start gates, and he has no idea that like he's the top ranked guy and has to go. He's like, what am I doing here? Um, and and just like I think everyone on the U.S. team just was over the moon at this guy having like a career result in his first ever World Cup start. I, it just like so impressive he's from uh, northern vermont has been skiing with with craftsbury um has been coached by like some some friends and people i know and i think just like wh- someone said this in the mix zone but really sort of a testament to the depth of the american team and the reward you get when you get these races on home or close to home snow like people get opportunities and this is the kind of result that happens when you have a lot of people getting opportunities if people can knock off a result like this so i just that was that was super cool um i don't know man you got to go to bed it's like 11 yeah. 30 I time no no I'm for
1: sure tired. for sure i got to go to bed but i do want to just like add to that i i was also really wildly impressed with this prologue and also like logan Dykman. he's done some world cups and stuff before but yeah. the guy was 16th and he was right in there on his heat kevin bolger i know we, we've seen him in like finals we've seen him in semifinals. he was only 18th but and Gus Schumacher in 19th in a super, super tight quarterfinal. Uh, JC broke his pole for people that haven't watched the race and were curious, like, how how come the guy qualified fifth looked like a million bucks and only ended up 22nd? He broke a pole, and it was such a tight quarterfinal for JC and Gus that they, they were like a sneeze away from making it into the final, both of those guys. They, and if, if, if JC didn't get pinched on the inside like that, uh, he was – He was cooking with gas and I I think he would have been into the final, honestly, but this is how tight the real estate is. It's, it's, it's hard to, hard to make things happen, but yeah, four Americans in the top 20 great day for the, for the American sprinters. And I'd like to see that the sprints uh, can, I'd like to see that the American team can build an American men's team. And it looks, it looks good now. And it looks like it's for real for the first time in like ever. So that uh, it's, it's really exciting, but I have to say, good luck interviewing Poroma. So the people that are listening at home, I'm super choked to be missing this one. This is something that I've been wanting to do for like a number of years. I love this kid. He's really easy to cheer for. He's a great skier and I had a lot of questions for him, but you know what? Like the Claybo interview, which is 100% the best interview we've ever had. (laughs) I was missing from that. So the listeners can enjoy not listening to me rant and go on and repeat myself.
0: You know what I will actually say is um th- I think we may get the best of both worlds because you wrote a lot of like really good questions that I wouldn't have thought of, but then I get to be the one to ask them so they're going to be asked in this like super concise efficient way which is like, you know, we know that's what listeners want. So um yeah, I think it's perfect. We'll we'll pour one out for you uh, at the Coast Hotel into our N95 masks and uh yeah, we'll uh we'll see you guys tomorrow. Get some rest. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Devin Kershaw show. We'll be back soon.